episode 84 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Michigan's done. Pennsylvania's done. Georgia's done. Turkey's going to be done on Thursday. Trump's done. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the ballot, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the Commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. I'm having a smaller holiday. I don't know about you, but I'm uh, foregoing my usual 30-person celebration with the 30-pound turkey and the God knows everything else under the sun. Eat-a-thon, football-a-thon, the works. That's gone this year. It's just going to be me, my wife, and my youngest daughter. My oldest daughter moved. She got a job. She took our puppy which I will see at Christmas, and she's working um, for Thanksgiving, so we will not see her this weekend, Uh, and that makes us sad, but uh, we're really happy she's got a career going, which is kind of exciting. But, you know, smaller turkey. I'm going to try to do a turkey breast this year. I'll let you know how that goes. I've never done that. Uh, The turkey breast tends to dry out quicker, so I am uh, going to experiment with maybe, um, I don't know, chicken broth, in the pan, and obviously i uh, got to pay very close attention to the temperature of that meat. I don't want to uh, I don't want to spin out of control and have dry turkey breast, which I did get from my butcher, um, who is brining it for me, and I'm excited about that. Uh, so we'll see. You know, it's going to be a very good cheat day, Thanksgiving, so I hope you all have that. But good news, Michigan has been decided. Pennsylvania has been decided. Looks like the Trump administration actually sent the letter they were supposed to send last night confirming that they could start the transition process. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) uh, Joe Biden is putting together a stellar cabinet. Um, Pretty impressive. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm very impressed that he's bringing John Kerry, and I'm impressed that John Kerry would come back in after being Secretary of State, which is arguably... The jewel of the cabinet posts, uh, and he's going to take a position as um, the environmental czar or liaison or what have you, which basically sends a message to the world that we are very serious about getting back into the Paris Accords and doing everything we can uh, to slow global warming, that there's going to be a position that high uh, in the cabinet uh, with that kind of responsibility led by somebody of such world renown as John Kerry, our former secretary of state, who was instrumental, I would add in negotiating the Paris Climate Accords, which this president, Donald Trump, has so 
unceremoniously just ignored the last four years. Uh, you know, he's signaled that we were going to exit it. Joe Biden has signaled that we will be coming back to it. So, um, you know, we are about to end the nonsense of this post-election farce. Um, I talk a little bit about it with my guest I have coming up uh, in a little while, Stacey Prussman. She's a comedian uh, who I actually went to college with. Um, she was a couple years ahead of me, but I did know her kind of didn't really didn't know her well. Uh, she was actually, I, you know, I say this in the interview with her, she was actually a very attractive woman then she still is. And I didn't really know her cause I, uh, she just was a little bit older and a lot of guys liked her. <laughs> so it was, it was not somebody who I was, uh, really close with, but we did cross paths on a variety of occasions, uh, during, the two years we overlapped at the University of Albany, upstate. Uh, but she's a comedian uh, who's uh, had some significant successes and is actually running as a libertarian for mayor of the city of New York. And uh, she texted me and said, hey, I want to come on uh, your show to talk about it. And I said, absolutely. You know, it's post-election. I figured things would be calmed down by now. Uh, they're not. Uh, but uh, she... Uh, is on and we'll, we'll talk about that you know but look um i'm not going to get too into the legal battle that you know i don't even want to call it a legal battle it, it's i'm a lawyer those you know uh, i'm a lawyer i don't practice regularly i do a little bit here and there for friends uh you know little light real estate work at this point but i have worked in federal court i have worked in criminal courts i've worked uh you know i i was a special appointment to the Queens District Attorney's Office when I was in law school. I interned in the Suffolk District Attorney's Office. I've uh, worked in federal court as a clerk. Um, obviously, uh, I practiced for a little while in between my gigs uh, with Schumer and Swansea that you all might know about. But I don't practice that often, but I'm pretty sure I could have done a better job with these cases. In fact, I probably wouldn't have brought these cases because they're so ridiculous. And, and you know... This is the pre- these are the people representing the president of the United States. Um, Sunday night, he he pretended that one of the people on his legal team, Sidney Powell, whose you know conspiracy theories are the most bizarre, I- including you know implicating a guy who's been dead for seven years, Hugo Chavez, who is the former dictator. Uh, you know he's been dead uh, for quite some time now. So, I mean, he's, he's been dead for, I think, seven years. So seven years ago, Trump wasn't president. Um, he wasn't even, I guess he started to run for president, but this guy was dying of cancer, pretty bad cancer, seven years ago. Um, so he plotted. So here's the plan, Sidney Powell wants you to believe, that seven years ago, Chavez was somehow involved with the plot to steal the 2020 election. But, you know, they'll let Trump have the 2016 election because they got to get him good, right? Make him feel comfortable in the White House. I mean, this is the theory that this woman who spoke at a press conference last week with Rudy Giuliani from the Republican National Committee headquarters talking about communist money involved with the voting machines that stole the election. Um, No, they didn't. Okay. And the courts, including, you know, you know, everybody talks about, you know, how they're losing in court. The worst decision they got was the decision they got in Pennsylvania over the weekend. And the judge that wrote that opinion was nominated to the bench by none other 
than Donald Trump. So, you know, the thing about courts, and I've said this before, you know, I sound like a broken record now. The thing about courts is courts require evidence. You can't just show up in court with a conspiracy theory that Sidney Powell, you know, thought up over her morning tea. Uh, it's just not, it doesn't work. So the Trump can't, the Trump campaign distanced himself from Sidney Powell. The president has been extremely quiet for the past 10 days. He knows it's over. Uh, and the fact that the GSA sent the letter that they needed to send on Monday night um, is basically showing that he knows it's over. Um, Michigan was like their last, I think, gasp because Michigan has this canvassing board which has to have a bipartisan vote in order for the election to be certified. And the two Democrats were always going to vote to certify. We knew that one Republican was not going to uh, vote to certify. And then the third Republic, the second Republican said, we are a nation of laws, not men, quoting John Adams, and voted to certify. So Michigan's electors will go to Joe Biden. Georgia certified last week. That goes to Joe Biden. Pennsylvania certified. That goes to Joe Biden. Uh, Arizona and Nevada will certify next week. And then all the swing states where all of these legal, ridiculous legal cases, there are 30, uh, they are one for 30. They had been two for 29, but then they lost on appeal, <laughs> one of the cases. So, I mean, about the ballots that came in late, I guess, in Pennsylvania that they didn't want to count. Turns out there was 8,000 of them. They probably split 50-50. Wouldn't have made a difference anyway. Joe Biden won Pennsylvania by nearly 100,000 votes. He won Michigan by 150,000 votes. Their plan was to disenfranchise everybody who lives in Detroit. Their plan in Wisconsin is to, is you know, during the recount, they're only asking for a recount in Madison and Milwaukee because they didn't want to, they didn't want to spend any of Trump's money. Trump's campaign money, not his own money, uh, to to challenge the results statewide it would cost him about ten million dollars. Instead, they're spending three million to try to just disenfranchise where all the African Americans and liberal uh, college kids live. <laughs> so, you know, good for you, Mr. President. You really believe in democracy. You know, this is the thing about democracy. Democracy. You can't tell me you believe in democracy only if your side wins. You just can't. And. Um, it's clear to me that Donald Trump and many of his followers and accolades don't believe in democracy. And here we are uh, two weeks after the election has been formally, you know, not formally, but called by all of the networks, including Fox News for Joe Biden. It's abundantly clear that Joe Biden didn't just win. It wasn't even really close. He won by a huge margin in the popular vote. And I know that doesn't matter, but it should and he won by bigger margins than Donald Trump did four years ago in the swing states. And he flipped two additional states, being uh, Georgia and Arizona. So he had a cushion, 306 electoral votes, which is what Joe, which was what Donald Trump called a landslide three years ago when he lost the popular vote and won those three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, by a total of 77,000 votes. His margin of victory in Michigan was almost double of his margin of victory for the entire, for those three states that gave him the election four years ago. So it's been over. So where's Mitch McConnell tonight? Where is the rest of the Republican Party tonight congratulating Joe Biden and referring to him as president-elect? That's what I want to see in the next couple of days. The entirety of the Republican Party need to start referring to Joe Biden as the president-elect and working to 
uh, move this country forward because this president has been horrible for this country. He has not been working on the pandemic. You know, he wants to be president so bad. He's got Rudy Giuliani uh, running around the country getting COVID-19 or at least being exposed to it. And he's got these guys running around the country. Then, you know, the job of president is to do things like go to the G20 summit and pay attention to the uh, meeting about fighting COVID-19. President decided to skip that and go play golf. Look, on January 20th, even right now, frankly, right now, you know, just concede and then just go play golf. Be done. We won't miss you. You won't miss the job. You got to... I mean, I don't know if you're as rich as you say you are. You're probably not worth $10 billion, but it looks like you got at least a billion. And given the fact that 70 million Americans still love you, you're going to make some money giving speeches. I mean, take it from me. I've given speeches. I can't imagine what you're going to command. Go enjoy your life. Get out of mine. That's what I'm asking, Mr. President. Go enjoy your life. Get out of mine. Now, I get it. You got some legal issues in New York and in... Uh, maybe federal cases, but you know, you're rich. People don't send rich people to jail. It's not going to happen. I know, I know that sounds like I, I want that to be okay. I don't want that to be okay. I do want rich people to have the same kind of ramifications and consequences for their actions as poorer people do. But I'm talking about what this guy could afford in legal fees and settlements and whatever else he's going to be thrown, be thrown at him by the Manhattan district attorney and the New York state attorney general and the other places he's being sued around this country. I do. I think he's going to jail. You want my honest opinion? Because here's the thing. I've been giving my honest opinion the last three weeks. And a lot of my more progressive listeners have been getting mad at at me for it. My honest opinion is he won't serve a single day in jail. He might pay some big fines and he should. And I want every single crime this guy committed when he was in the white house exposed But to think that a former president of the United States is going to go to jail is completely naive, completely and totally naive. It's not going to happen. So get that out of your head. It's not going to happen. Wouldn't be good if it did. Okay, I, I get it. You want the revenge. I want him exposed. I want everything he's done, every crime he's committed exposed. Now, if he actually shot somebody, yeah, go to jail. But that's not what we're talking about here. I want him exposed. I want to see every dirty little thing he's done. But jail, I mean, I mean, I go back and forth on it. I've always been one of those people who say I don't want it. But the way he's acted the past two weeks has really, really annoyed me. And I know it's annoyed you too, but it's over. It's coming to an end. So we have Thanksgiving this week. I know it's going to be a small one for most of the people listening to this podcast. I know we're going to miss our families. I'm going to miss cooking all day. and all. I, mean, I don't even know how long. I, I think I got to cook this thing for like an hour and a half. It's like five pounds. I, I mean, it's, 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 going to be, it's going to be a different year. But be safe. Be careful. So I'm going to play my interview with my friend here, uh, Stacey Pressman, And then I'm going to come back to wrap it up. So keep listening. And thank you so much for everything you guys have done for me the last year. It's been a great year here. Podcast has grown by leaps and bounds. And you keep telling your friends, and I really love you for it. All right, stick around. This is a great interview. Joining me now is somebody who I actually knew in college. Used to used to flirt with her. She never gave me the time of day when I was in college because uh, she was way out of my league. 
Uh, and she's a fantastic comedian who happens to be running for mayor of the city of New York. A friend of mine, Stacy Pressman, how you doing? Great, how are you? I didn't even know that you knew I existed in college. What are you talking about? Everybody knew you existed. You were, you know, you were one of those women that, that I couldn't get to. I, I tried. <laughs> I couldn't get through the crowd of men all around you. I was just, you know, I mean, I... Uh, you know, I mean, I was a football player and student body president, but not when you were there. I think you were two years ahead of me in college. Yeah. And a big difference in college for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was like a freshman when I met you. And, uh, you know, so it didn't, it didn't really didn't really translate. But uh, yes, that's exactly. We did theater, we did theater together, I think. We, we did. Bit. Well, you I we did hair. I did hair. You, I didn't do hair. You were, yeah, I my think, Jackie was. Yeah, you. I did hair. I was the lead in hair. Uh, yeah, I remember you did very well. My freshman year uh, of college, and uh, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, I did plays. I played sports. I I did all this stuff. I mostly did it to meet women, and and it didn't always work out. <laughs> so I didn't, I, oh, you didn't date anybody in the hair cast? I dated a lot. <laughs> I dated a lot of people in the hair cast. Actually, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say <laughs> I wouldn't say dated, uh, but, but we're digressing. We're di- right, okay. We're, we're politics. We're digressing. I'm, this is a political show. Nobody wants to know about those exploits. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe later in my in my career, I'll start talking about that stuff. So, so Stacy, you are a comedian. You have been a working comic uh, forever. I mean, as long as I've known you, really. Um, and here we are. We're in this pandemic situation. There's no live theater of any kind going on in New York City. You're based in New York City. And, you know, how are you surviving through this? Um, well, it's been, you know, I, I was always an actor first. And then I started doing stand-up 20 years ago. That's how old I am. So I've been doing stand-up about... 20, 19, 20 years now, pretty professionally. And um, I actually miss live theater because I was still doing live theater at least once or twice a year, opposed to, and as well as comedy. So that, that's hard. And also film and TV was on hold for a yeah. while. So um, I luckily had, you know, savings and all that, but it, you know, it's definitely not been easy, uh, both financially and emotionally. Um, and I think that, you know, it makes you think more about what's important to you and what you want in your life and the things that you want to accomplish and, and why you want to accomplish them. And it's, it, you know, I, I took it as like a, like a, a break in a way for me because I've been running like a chicken without a head probably for the last 30 years, literally. Yeah. Very little vacations. Um, I would make vacations out of like my road gigs, you know, and um, I would basically never stopped for a second. So um, I was also speaking as well in college market on eating disorders, body image, health and fitness, wellness, mental health. So uh, in between everything, I just had to stop. Everything just stopped. And, um, you know, except for, except, for, except for podcasting and radio, obviously. Yep. And some broadcasting, um, I had to reconsider what direction I want to take. In my life, and that's why I decided to run for New York City mayor. Well, that's a pretty big step. I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's lots of offices, and and mayor is obviously a great office uh, to run for. I think the city, I think mayor of the city of New York, it's been said, it's the second most difficult job in in the country, next to presidency of the United States. Although we've just seen some, you know, ridiculous human being hold that office and not pay too much attention to the actual work of it. Um, right. um, 
you know, why make the jump, you know, so high? Why not start at like school board or city council or something like that? Why go for mayor? I always, that was one of my dreams was to be mayor. For I actually announced it on radio years ago. I used to do um, radio with Bob Levy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> um, it was the Reverend Bob. Yeah, we were co-hosts. We did a show. It was called Ears Wide Open, and then it was called the Rob, Bob Levy Show. Um, it was kind of, I guess it was a libertarian station that le- leaned right, but we were the comedy show. Right. Um, and we, were, we didn't talk about politics, actually, and this is pre-Trump days. And basically, I um, I wanted to run for mayor. It was something that I really felt that I could actually do. Well, it's a learning curve, obviously, like any offices that you've never held before, but I'm up for the challenge and I always have been. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, considering the, the train wreck that seems to be what's happening in New York right now, um, you know, it seems like something. And plus, you have a, a fine SUNY Albany education, as I am well aware <laughs> my fine of. Edu- <laughs> my fine education. You know, it's funny because I, I, I have a, I'm running under the Libertarian Party, um, so I, I'm kind of a centrist in a lot of ways. And I, I feel that I could bring both sides of the city together, you know, and sort of create a better city, a, a more um, cohesive city. I think the city has been a disaster for the last couple of years, even before the pandemic. Um, the MTA doesn't run well. It's, it's been a lot of things that I've experienced myself. And, you know, it did get very, very expensive as well. So I think the pandemic might have actually caused like sort of like that to stop a little bit, like like almost like the natural effect in a way, like the city got too big for its bridges. Right. Um, and a lot of people have left. I mean, a lot of people have left the city as a result. Yeah. And, because, um, you know, I'm in the city. I'm in the city once a week. I come in every Sunday. I've been coming in every Sunday since March. Uh, okay. Back in March, uh, when I would come in, WABC moved from. Uh, Penn Station to the other side of town. They're on the east side now. Okay. And, and uh, I used to come in, I used to park my car on 7th Avenue across the street from Penn Station or Penn, you know, Madison Square Garden and just walk in. No problem. I felt like I was in that Will Smith movie uh, where he's alone <laughs> in the city. And, and it feels and, like that. It's creepy. But I've actually felt it's I am legend. My producer points out to me. Uh, it's 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 a it's a you know, it's been like that. And I think I felt like in the last couple of weeks, things have kind of turned around in the city. And I'm wondering, you know, what this move to close the schools is going to mean for the rest of the city, because I felt like the city was slowly coming back over the last month or two. What's your thought? Well, um, I don't know. I. I, I worked in the school system. I don't know. I think that the numbers were going up, supposedly, according to people in me- the medical field, they were seeing more hospitalizations due to COVID. So I guess they got nervous. And they, they did say, because I was doing substitute teaching for a while, um, and they did say that um, after one of their plans originally, from what I remember in the school I was teaching at, was that they wouldn't they would open up after Thanksgiving, after the after the the kids came back from their Thanksgiving break. That was sort of one of the plans originally. This is months ago. Right. They felt that might be dangerous or whatnot. I don't know why they decided to do that. I don't know if there's medical evidence behind it. I'm trying to look into that right now. Um, The city itself is doing a lot better than other parts of the country. But as you know, I think COVID, from what I've noticed, goes in two to three, four-week cycles between people 
getting the disease and then passing from it or having some major complications. So yep. we'll see the numbers as they go up. I mean, I, I think there's a way to open school safely or every business safely if if people decide to get tested by choice, obviously, they um, could then gather with people that are all tested, like people working on film sets being tested, and then, you know, you have to just get tested a lot. Talking about cities, we're talking about COVID, we're talking about life as a performer in the age of COVID. Uh, I know a lot of people, look, I mean, I... Uh, I'm still pretty connected to my old improv troupe, which is a company called Face Off Unlimited. They've got shows down, uh, down in the in. They got a show in Chicago, and they got a show. Uh, it used to be on St. Mark's, and now it's downtown somewhere else uh, called Batsu. And these guys were raking it. They were doing great. They'd had this show. It'd been running for five years, and uh, a lot of people worked for it. And they're, you know, they don't know when they're going to get back up and going again. And and. Uh, you know, I, I like every other performer, they're doing the best they can. And in addition to the loss of funds, it's the fact that you can't get out on stage that's driving everybody crazy. Well, some people are doing great. I, I have a friend um, who's doing shows, you know, up, uh, I, I can name like two comics. Shout out to Natalie, Natalie Cuomo and John Marco Ceresi. Uh, I don't pronounce his name right. They, different, they've been doing a lot. You know, he has a special out. Some people really have been thriving. You know, some of the comics really have been thriving. I don't particularly uh, thrive as a comedian under these circumstances. Yeah. That's just me. Um, I was actually very sick, you know, in January. I, I went and looked at my red- medical records, January, February. I had a severe, severe, and then into March, uh, respiratory infection. So you might have had it. I might have had it. I was sick for three months. Did you get and, checked out for the antibodies to see if you had it? Um, no, I have to. I've, I've been meeting to. I was going to go actually yesterday, but they were the line was too long and they wouldn't let me in. So oh. I'm going to try to go tomorrow morning. Uh, and I, I mean, hope I still have the antibodies if I did have it. Um, but I was sick for three months. And then I had a lot of the po- post-COVID symptoms, but I don't want to say I had it if I didn't, if I'm not sure. Yeah, you got to get that checked out. I, I thought I had it too because I, I didn't have a severe respiratory po- problem in February, but I had a respiratory problem. I'm a runner and I'm on like today was day 690 of my streak and I log, oh, wow. my, I log my runs and I remembered having these bad runs in February and I looked at my log and sa- it said having problems breathing for like four days, still sick, breathing issues. You know, I got over it. I mean, after like a week, but uh, I thought maybe I had COVID. I got tested. It turns out I didn't have COVID. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, there were other things going around. There was an adenovirus. There was a million things going around. But so, but I was sick for so long that I, that's what I'm concerned about. I had a long term, like like I, I had. I was doing a show. I mean, I hope I didn't give it to anybody because I didn't know it was any. It was like the pre when before it came out. I was in LA right before it um, started here so i came back and then we went into quarantine a week later yeah i i gotta tell you i i i worry about cities i worry about performers in this market because look i mean how are you going to work out your material like i watched that colin quinn special that came out last week i didn't watch all Mm -hmm. of it but you know you could tell that these comics really haven't been working their material on covid right because they wanted to tell some covid jokes but they hadn't gone to the clubs to work them out and now they're on tv doing them mm-hmm. um you know it's it's uh, you know i mean how does a comedian you know work out material in this in this environment i mean i i had a zoom show once <laughs> which i mean i i don't know i you just kind of 
you do, everyone, I guess people, there are shows like in like outside that they were doing in the park, but I don't know how that, you know, I've done those shows before COVID, like these crazy shows and I never enjoyed them personally. I never enjoyed work. I mean, some of them I'm sure are much better than the ones I've done, but I've done them and, you know, doing a performance in odd locations have never been my favorite thing to do. So I like a nice, solid comedy club or an indoor theater. Yeah. Now, that's me. I, or even, you know, even like a tent is fine, but I'm not into like these weird places. I mean, if I, if I do, a, you know, now it's getting cold out. So that's also becoming difficult. So I don't know how they, I mean, you just kind of, I, I would just do my trot and shoot, but I think Colin had asked him to do new material. So he did it as a, you know, that's what was his theme of the show, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so, some of them are pretty good comedians, and I was like, oh, they're, they're all wonderful. I yeah, I love Bonnie McFarlane. Um, yeah, I love her. I love her husband, who was MC in the show, but I didn't think they were having their best night, you know. And and I've seen those two. They're they are funny, funny, funny people. Um, yeah, I think I think people just I think Colin just wants to show the process too. I mean, look, we we people, you know, the other issue is forget about opening clubs, having people come to the clubs. You know, I, I know there's certain people that are very willing, but, you know, we were like, there were clubs that people, uh, you know, were trying to get audience to when, when things were fine. So, I mean, that's the other uh, side of the whole thing was that we need to get people to come to the clubs, n- never mind opening them and having, you know, a, a rich, you know, tourists that are, you know, and people that are coming from the outer boroughs. People aren't traveling with even within the boroughs that often. So, that, that, that's the other challenge. Well, that's going to be the challenge when this is over, right? To get people back to the city. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be the, the city office. The Manhattan is in Manhattan. I was corrected the other day. The city is Manhattan. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I don't think you're going to have the office work that we used to have. I think that those days are numbered. I think there'll be people will be reducing their in-office staff, you know, dramatically because we're people have learned to work without it. And yeah, you- some I agree, pe- totally. So, and some people are happier. Like they don't have to commute. They could they could sit at home. They don't have to get childcare. They don't have to pay for lunch. Um, you know, it, it's it's made people's lives a little bit they easier. Don't have to wear pants. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I went I went about a month without wearing a belt, without wearing pants. And then and then when I got the WABC gig and I had to start going into the city, I started putting pants on. And then I had to go put a suit on for something at the end of August and it didn't fit me. Oh no. And I went on a huge Died. I lost all my COVID weight. <laughs> it was so bad. I, so I was quarantining with these two guys. You might have heard of them, Ben and Jerry. They make a <laughs> they make a fantastic ice cream. Which flavor? Uh, oh, I did, it didn't matter. <laughs> I, hate them. I hate them. They all. have some great flavors. I I've, I've been trying. I mean, some of them just amazing. Well, what's killing me is now my daughter, who used to only eat Briar's Vanilla up until about. Really? COVID now has been taking my Ben and Jerry's, but I'm not eating Ben and Jerry's other than my one cheat night a week, which is Saturday night. Cause I'm, I'm being strict now. I'm not going back to that. Right. You don't want to, I I'm bald, right? I don't want to be short, fat and bald. Oh. So I'm going to control the one thing I could control. And that is my weight. So I am not getting fat. It didn't matter that I was walking my dog and running. I got fat because Ben and Jerry's Oreos and M&M's during oh, that. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was bad. Comfort food. I was like, oh, I miss being outside. Oh, I miss people. Oh, let me have some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> so, I know. It's like a ne- it was a never ending winter. Yeah. Actually, actually, Brooklyn, where I live, you know, things started opening up, you know, and I went, you know, I walked to the beach. It wasn't so um, grim here for a while. It seemed sort of normal once they started opening. Yeah. And um, I went out to dinner a lot. I saw my friends. I, 
it, you know, it felt more normal. Now I get a feeling it's it's closing up. I feel that feeling. Again. Yeah. Well, it's going to be winter. Yeah. It's going to be a long, yeah. dark winter. Follow Stacy on Twitter. She's at Stacy Prussman. Stacy spelled the normal way. Prussman, P-R-U-S-S-M-A-N. How can you mess that up? And I think that's also your um, Instagram and other handles, correct? P-R-U-S-S-M-A-N. It's like, it's like Pressman with only a U. So, and when am I, it's Press for Us is my, uh. There you go. Press for <laughs> Us. Love it. Okay. Everybody wants to talk about Donald Trump. You know, here we are two weeks after the election, this whiny little, uh, finished the, uh, <laughs> finished the thing. My producer's looking at me saying, maybe we can't use that word. Uh, he hasn't. He hasn't conceded the election. He's being a big baby. You got Rudy Giuliani out there dripping, um, you know, hair dye in his press conference today. Uh, you know, you've had some run-ins with this guy in your life, right? Yes. Well, he, he was my landlord growing up. But my, as a baby, he, my parents knew him. They knew his dad. And he would, like, you know, trade along with his dad. They owned the apartment building by uh, where I lived, actually. I lived in a building called the Wedgwood as a baby. Um and the father was nice, you know, in terms of being nice. And then Donald was kind of not so nice. Um, he was actually in my house, Donald, when I was a kid. Supposedly. Wow. What was yeah. it? And, were your parents, you know, late on the rent or something? And he came in with No, well, like, yeah, they found the rent or, you know, where they had to do, you know, like, inspect, you know, how landlords come in every once in a while, that kind of stuff. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, you know, I grew up, my parents went to Trump Casino, growing up i mean he was just some guy that owned casinos and was like a real estate guy i mean we all we're new yorkers right after my prom i went to i went into the city to go to a comedy club and the next day we went to like trump tower to like buy chocolate covered strawberries you know like everybody knew trump yeah and you know and and we read about him in the paper and he was just you know basically a circus clown if you ask me and and now he's went to clubs and did the america whatever miss universe america comp Right, right. But how do you feel about his attack, really, on the election? I he's been doing this, you know. This, I mean, he's been doing this with every, even with the Ted Cruz primaries, and he'd say that was broad too. I mean, he did it with Hillary. He's 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 done this. It's been his mo. He's prepared. It's like he's he's like playing like he's playing a few steps. But he knows what he's doing. Gaslighting. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a specifically a, a malignant narcissist. Like by the book. I mean, and, and malignant narcissists, if you know anything about them, they there's there's actually a specific playbook. They don't even know they're playing by, but he's playing by it. Yeah. Gaslighting, trauma bonding, um, making people believe there's a false reality. Um now if you really cared about the country, he would be getting to work right now you know, helping with the COVID crisis, the economy, getting the stimulus passed. He was very into that prior to the election, if you remember. Yeah. And then now, he, you know, he couldn't give two craps about anything. Yeah. So that, to me, proves, you know, that he's just a malignant narcissist and it's about him. And now it's become a circuit. Now they're they're trying, what are they trying to win on technicality? I mean, I don't... I, I don't know what he's planning to do. He's got to flip three states. He's got to get, you know, state legislators in three states to ignore the will of the people. One of the, you know, at least one of the states he's going to try to flip. He he needs them to forget about the 150,000 more people that voted for his opponent. It, it is a, it is a. He a, lost the popular vote. I mean, he didn't win the popular vote in 2006. No, he's never won the popular vote because he's not popular. And, was, and, 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 you know, the Democrats and everybody, you know, and I always say everybody else because there's also libertarian candidates that are very good what they, you know, and, and let's not forget that those votes. So Stacey, you know, what about this though? Like uh-huh. this 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 cesspool of misinformation 
that, you know, people are living in in this country. 73% of Republicans right now believe that the election was stolen because they are, you know, they're stuck in this like Newsmax, OAN, Breitbart.com universe, not even Fox News, which called the election, you know, for, for Joe Biden pretty quickly. Um, well, you know, what do we do about that? You know, that's an interesting point because I've been talking to people on Twitter about it. And I have friends that are Republicans and Democrats. I have friends that, you know, um, that are in every party. And um, I, I feel like when you get gaslit enough and you, you really want to believe the person you voted for, like it's, it's like, it's like finding out the, the love of your life. Let's say you're dating a malignant narcissist has been cheating on you, lying to you, have a second life. That's yeah. exactly what it's like. It's like you're shot. You can't accept that. And then, and then like the back of your head, there's always a possibility. Well, half it is rigged. Half everything is rigged. Half the whole universe. You're Donald Trump that elect, you know, it's just, your whole world is shot. I, I really think that you have to use facts, you know, facts matter. Yep. You have to like look at it. Well, facts matter, but what if we can't agree on what a fact is? Well, for instance, I was arguing with them about how, how, how did they find 130,000 votes in the middle of the night for Biden? You know, all of a sudden. In, it was in Michigan, I believe. Wisconsin. Why did that? Wisconsin, sorry, excuse me. Wisconsin. Why did, how did they find all these votes in the middle of the night? So I'm like, that's how they tallied the ballots. Yeah, they got to count the votes. It's called opening up mail-in ballots because Republican lawmakers wouldn't allow them to open them prior to the election. And I'm sure they weren't all for Biden. I mean, I, they can't. No, they weren't all for Biden. But Biden had an, an you know an increase in the tally by 130,000 because it was from the cities. Look, we live in you and I have lived in cities in our lives. There, people actually live in cities. It takes a while to count things, especially if you've got to do a process where you open it up, confirm signatures, all that stuff before you count it. So they don't. They keep things 100. How many votes were total in that county? Do you know how many votes total? Right? Well, I think Biden probably got about 80 percent of the votes in Milwaukee. Right. This is the this is the you know, the president is right. the president's asking for a recount in Milwaukee and in Madison, two of the most liberal places in Wisconsin, two of the most liberal places in America. Let's let's recount Kentucky then where Mitch McConnell won. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it you know, thing. let's recount North Carolina. Let's recount Florida. I mean, there's there's all this, you know, like, you know, you want to it's just nonsense. This is not the way our system's supposed to work. He's a no, and then they're comparing the. This Al Gore Bush thing, which was only 500 votes, which I, of course that's a big thing. And Al Gore conceded it was like 500 votes, and they recounted and, and you know went to Bush, and that that was what it was. And we accepted it, and we moved on. And Al Gore did you know his movie about clim- you know climate change, and that was what was meant to happen. Yeah, that's just the way it was. And you know I accepted George Bush as the president, and his his bolts and his, you know his messes. Right. This is good stuff, you know, and, you know, it, that's the way it is. That's that's how America has always been. And we were united as a country, as, you know, a lot more, I, I believe, back then. People, you know, but if you gaslight people that are already, think about it, we're in a pandemic. We've been locked down. Yeah. People in our families, are, you know, people have death in their family. People are losing their jobs. What else? Is, you know, of well, how much worse can it get? Exactly. Stacey, I'm out of time. I need to plug you one more time. What do you of want people? To, what do you want people to know? Um. Follow me on Twitter at Stacey Pressman, S-T-A-C-E-Y-P-R-U-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, follow my mayoral candidacy and um, follow me in general. And, and just, you know, be good to yourself, stay healthy, and uh, be good to your neighbor. Stacey Pressman, fantastic to reunite with my old college friend. Hope you're doing okay. Good luck in the mayoral run. 
All right, hope you enjoyed that interview with Stacy Prussman. Check her out on Twitter, at Stacy Prussman on Twitter. I'll tweet about it when I tweet out this episode, which you've probably already responded to. But if you're following me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn, you can find her there pretty easily. Um, she's also on Instagram. I believe she's at Stacy Prussman on Instagram. I'm also on Instagram, Christopher Hahn NY, but I'm not verified and... Frankly, I don't know why anybody would follow me on Instagram. I just tweet out my ties. I, I, I Instagram out my ties. I do little videos before I go on uh, the radio sometimes. Um, I put out the ties when I'm about to go on TV. So, but anyway, I haven't bought a new tie all year. I don't think. I don't think I bought a new tie in January or February. I surely didn't buy one after we locked down. So, uh, yeah, it's been a year. Um, no new ties. I think this is the first year... Since I've been wearing ties that I didn't buy a tie. I mean, I I definitely started wearing ties when I was in college, high school, really. I sold suits when I was in high school, but I only had one or two ties back then. I used to go into the shop. I used to work at the Smith Haven Mall on Long Island. Male Den and Mankind. I don't even know if they exist. They don't exist anymore. Um, they were owned by the same guy. Great guy. Kept me on, even though I lied about my age when I... <laughs> when I uh, Applied for the job, but I would go in, no tie. I'd just pull a tie off the rack and put it on, and then I'd put it back at the end of the night. I think I had one one decent tie, 80s decent tie. Nothing I'd be caught dead in today, but it was a decent 80s tie uh, working at Smith Haven Mall when I was in high school. Uh, but good good to catch up with Stacy. I actually haven't seen Stacy Pressman uh, since 1993 uh, when she graduated. I graduated a little bit later than her. Um, so, uh, glad to see she's doing well and, uh, I wish her well. Look, I mean, Libertarian's probably not going to win the New York City election, but it would be good for her career, uh, if she can make it into those debates and really get some of the issues that she cares about. And I know there are a lot of entertainers out there that are struggling right now with this economy. How could they not be? Um, and it's really the lifeblood of people to entertain. I know it is for me too. And I'm, I'm really fortunate, you know, that I can, entertain you here in this podcast, entertain you on the radio, um, you know, my my TV appearances. I'm very fortunate to have those outlets. Um, even with all those outlets, I still sometimes will show up at my improv troupe and do a show with them on a Friday night, you know, in front of 40 people. There, there have been nights that I've been on Fox News in front of 9 million people, and then an hour and a half later, I was doing improv in front of 40 people. And if you want to know what uh, it was more of a rush. It was the 40 people um, in the improv uh, troupe show down in Port Jefferson uh, or in New York City. Um, I've done Batsu in New York City and some of their other shows. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to those guys and it's been tough for them. Uh, they had a phenomenal business going that employed, I think, over 100 people in both New York and Chicago uh, with the two shows they they had their two regular shows, and they had an additional show that they would do called The Laughter Party. Then they would do all sorts of other, you know, entertainment-related corporate gigs. They were a million-dollar business, and that business has all but dried up through this pandemic. And there are a lot of businesses like that. That doesn't make them, you know, um, you know superstars, right? Uh, but it does make them a functioning small business. That was important to the economy and the vitality of both New York and Chicago, where they were, you know, you know, they were mainstays. They were down in the village in New York and they had a great show 
um, uh, going on in Chicago. I don't know exactly where. I haven't been to that show in Chicago. But the show in New York was sold out five nights a week, six nights a week. Um, and, and you know, they, they, they had, you know, dozens of people in the cast and crew in New York ticketing, um, you know, waiters and waitresses. They were, just think of all the people associated with putting on that show um, for so many years. I mean, it, they were in, I think, their sixth, maybe even 10th year in New York. I think they were in their fourth year or third year in Chicago. And they, were, they had plans to expand uh, to, to other cities in the United States. Uh, there was even talk about maybe expanding abroad. So they, they had this great concept and, uh, you know, it, it's sad to see that stuff gone. And, and, you know, we'll know we're out of this crisis when people start going to live, you know, events, whether it be comedy shows or music venues, concerts. Um, my last outing, and I'm really happy that I got this in this year. Um, back in February, I talk, took my daughter... And my friend Eric took his daughter. We went together to see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you know, you know every, anybody who knows me knows I'm a Long Islander. And how could you be a Long Islander and not love Billy Joel? And it wasn't my daughter's first concert. I had taken her to see Ringo Starr at a local uh, amphitheater uh, earlier, in the, actually in the summer before. But it was her first big stadium concert, uh, big arena concert. And it was special. And... You know, literally two weeks later, the world shut down and it's still here. And here we are heading into the holidays. I know that there's a lot of stress on you. I know some of you, like me, probably have family that are not taking uh, the lockdowns as seriously as they should. Um, you know, look, uh, this is going to end soon. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to be responsible for putting anybody in the hospital. Um, you know, I, I am, while I'm taking this, you know, the coronavirus very seriously, I am, you know, traveling more, at least within New York. I've been going back and forth to Manhattan once a week for my WABC show. I've been going to my radio studio, um, uh, here on Long Island once a week for my syndicated show. I do the podcast at home, the interview I do at the, uh, at the, uh, studio. So I've been exposed more. But, you know, I mean, there aren't a lot of people there. But I do most of the shopping around here. It's just, I worry. I'm, I'm, while I am not as worried for myself as I probably should be, I am worried uh, for some of the older people in my family. And I don't, I don't want to be responsible for that. And I think it's important for all of us to take it very seriously and show that we're taking it seriously. I always wear a mask when I'm in public. Um, and I think, you know, that helps a lot. I know it's going to be a tough holiday season. Black Friday is not going to be Black Friday this year for a lot of businesses. Um, Christmas is not going to be as much fun. But it is nearing the end. Uh, we're hearing great things about these vaccines. We'll know for sure soon. Um, and I believe that this is coming to an end. Just like I am happy that the Trump administration is coming to an end. I think we should all be thankful for that this Thanksgiving. The fact that he has finally given the GSA permission to start the transition. Halla-freaking-luya. <laughs> so let's all be thankful for that. 
Let's be thankful that we've gotten through this election without this country tearing itself apart. And let's pray that in the weeks, months, and years ahead, we could find common ground with people who we think we have nothing in common with. Because we need to. Because for this country to succeed, we need to remember that people who don't necessarily agree with us are still our brothers and sisters and countrymen and countrywomen. So um, happy Thanksgiving, America. Um, Happy uh, Thursday to those who are not Americans listening to this. Uh, I really appreciate my foreign listeners too. Um, And remember, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Happy Thanksgiving. And thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive.